0: This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is brought to you by ArtCloud. Trusted by thousands of galleries, artists, and collectors worldwide, ArtCloud's all-in-one art management solution, an integrated art marketplace is the fastest growing of its kind. Use ArtCloud's marketplace to discover and buy exceptional pieces tailored for your taste, share your favorites with friends and fellow art enthusiasts, and even use the app to visualize artwork in your own space. If you're an artist or gallery, Plug into ArtCloud's best-in-class art management platform, including easy-to-use client inventory management, sales assistance, and the opportunity to grow your business by listing your art on ArtCloud's booming marketplace. Are you ready to explore ArtCloud? Registration's free, so sign up now on artcloud.com, that's spelled A-R-T-C-L-D.com. This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is also sponsored by the Sotheby's Institute of Art which I'm proud to say is my own alma mater. I attended their London campus in 2008. Sotheby's Institute, or as we called it, SIA, has been providing a premier education in art and its markets since 1969. You can join 6,000 alumni like me, whose art world careers are connected through a Sotheby's Institute master's degree. Or you can hone your expertise by signing up for an online course or a semester program. You can experience courses that cover everything from art entrepreneurship to art history. So visit sotheby'sinstitute.com/arttactic to learn more. That's sotheby'sinstitute.com/arttactic. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. This is actually going to be a really interesting and unique episode. We're going to be joined by four – yes, I said four – different guests as we spend the episode asking questions and better understanding Brexit's potential impact in the art market. Each of our guests contributed to a recently published memoranda on the topic published by PIM, which stands for Professional Advisors to the International Art Market. It's actually a networking platform for professionals advising the art market, and I myself am actually on the New York board. If you want to learn more about PIM and even read the memoranda – you can visit pyam.org. That's P A I A M.org. So, who are these guests? Well, our first guest is Tim Maxwell, who's a partner at Boodle Hatfield, LLP. And we'll talk to him about Brexit's potential impact on copyright and the artist resell right. Then we chat with Craig Davies, partner at Rawlinson and Hunter, to discuss Brexit's potential impact on VAT. After that, we talk with Finola Rogers, an art law consultant at Constantine Cannon, to discuss Brexit's impact on the trade of endangered species. But first, we're briefly joined by Pierre Valentin, partner at Constantine Cannon, and also co-founder of PAYIM, who published the memoranda. Pierre, thanks for joining us. Nice
1: to speak to you, Adam. It's a pleasure.
0: PAYIM has done a lot of great work examining Brexit's potential impact in the art market. First, tell us about PAIM's Brexit initiative and really the motivation behind it.
1: There is significant technical and um, knowledge and expertise amongst um, the PAIM membership. Uh, in the aftermath of uh, the European referendum in, in, in Great Britain, uh, we considered whether we should make that expertise available as a resource to the British government and our parliament. Uh, our members are interested to ensure that um, the British art market remains thriving and competitive. And we acknowledged the risk that um, this might not happen once uh, the UK leaves uh, the EU. Uh, Further, we acknowledge that um, this is an opportunity to focus on um, what's unique about the British art market, the second largest uh, market or art market in the world, and to really focus or prioritise British interests rather than focus on um, the level playing field amongst EU art market, which is the European Commission's uh, main preoccupation. Now, we identified 10 areas of of relevance to the British art market. We invited um, PIEM members to volunteer, created uh, a a kind of PIEM task force uh, on Brexit. And, we, we, you know, And the intention, the objective, was really to make um, uh, PIA members and, 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 and their, their expertise uh, available to the British, uh, to the British um, government, for which we felt we needed a calling card. So we commissioned um, the task force to write a memorandum uh, on each of these 10 um, subject matters.
0: And what topics did you cover in the memoranda, and why do you select these topics?
1: Well, we looked at um, uh, current legislation coming out of Brussels, um, which applies in the United Kingdom, and we considered which uh, which which of amongst um, that legislation um, would be worthy of, uh, or could be worthy of improvement. Um, and the topics that we selected were the artist resale rights, uh, copyright, uh, endangered species, consumer protection, VAT, customs, trade sanctions, anti-money laundering, export controls, and the restitution of illegally exported cultural property. So having identified these these, these 10 topics, um, we asked uh, members to volunteer to write um, the memorandum uh, on on each of those, um, and it took a while to put them together. Uh, but eventually we got there, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the memoranda were published on uh, the PiAm website. Uh, the address, as you as you mentioned earlier, is www.payam.org.
0: Now that the memoranda has been published on PiAm's website, what's next in this initiative?
1: Um, I, 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 the objective from the start was to um, make make PiAm available to 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 the government and parliament as a resource. I should stress that we're not a lobbying group because uh, our membership is too broad um, for us to um, uh, represent uh, the interest of a subgroup um, um, within the art market, Um, the art trade, for example. Um, is um, is well represented by the British Art uh, Market Federation and uh, uh, other um, dealer and auctioneer trade associations. So we're not doing their job. We're not um, we're not a lobbying force, but we really see ourselves as um, a, a place where uh, ministers, civil servants, MPs can come to uh, if they need uh, technical data that can help them uh make uh, educated decisions um about the future. Um so what we've done uh, now that our memoranda are um are online, uh, we're approaching uh, government departments. We are focusing for the time being on on three government departments, uh, the Department of Media, Culture, Sports, uh, and um, they've changed their name recently. I forget what they're called now, but uh, uh the DCMS, uh, uh, the Treasury and also uh, the IPO, the Intellectual Property Office, Uh, and uh, really it's up to them to um, take advantage of of what we have to offer. Um, We don't know how they will react and and when when will be the right time for them to engage with us, Um, but we hope that um, we can add
0: value. Pierre, thanks for joining us and providing us with some background and context regarding Pyam's initiative, regarding this memoranda on Brexit. Thank you, Adam.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: Our next guest, Tim Maxwell, partner at Boodle Hatfield LLP, joins us to discuss Brexit's potential impact on copyright and the artist's resale right. Tim, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you. Why is copyright so important for the UK, specifically pertaining to the art market?
2: So just to go back a little, so copyright is an intellectual property right that um, protects the um, form of expression of ideas, and it's essentially intended to reward those who create original works through independent effort, and to stop other people copying them and give protections for a certain period of time. Um, It is important because it allows the creators So, for example, artists to get financial benefit from their work and also encourages businesses in a sort of wider creative economy sense to invest safe in the knowledge that they can get a return on that investment. Um, And the UK has a very large creative economy and it also has a very large service economy. Um, It's probably the largest national creative sector in Europe and there are huge sums being invested in creating the intangible assets that are protected by copyright. Um, Any uncertainty would obviously be very damaging.
0: And how does the copyright law in the UK interact with the system in the EU? And how could this be altered by Brexit?
2: Um, There's also, I mean, the way the EU fits in with the UK copyright regime, um, it's not the only thing that influences it. Um, And there are also various international obligations. There are also, it's not a particularly harmonized market, um, so there are significant differences across the EU, and this is somewhere where the EU has been trying to work towards greater harmonization recently. Um, And the focus recently has actually been in creating um, a single market in areas such as the digital single market strategy, um, which allows people to view digital material from their home countries based on their license in the home countries. Um, and it could be that in due course, and depending on what the terms are, the UK might find itself shut out of um, potential markets such as that. And I think the ultimate aim of the EU is to prevent, is, sorry, is to is to create a single overarching code um, and single copyright title that would then be applied across the EU. So. For the many media companies and other companies um, based around the creative economies, um, that would be a bad thing to be shut out of the EU. Um, it is also, um, in terms of the EU market, the UK is seen as a relatively benign um, environment, a relatively friendly environment, partly because of the language for enforcing copyright title and then having that recognised across the EU. And so it's possible that those protections would also be eroded and the attraction of the UK as a jurisdiction would be eroded if a favorable deal can't be done. Um, So in summary, um, copyright is absolutely key to the creative industries, um, and it's vital that the UK maintains its market-leading position in the EU. And um, there are various reforms that could be implemented, but I suspect that's for the longer term.
0: The artist resale right is also another area you're focused on what are the artists' resale right rules now and what might they look like post-Brexit?
2: So the right was um, implemented in the UK on a, at a relatively late stage um, and it was um, an EU-instigated um, um, imposition um, and it was brought in in 2006 for the living artists and in 2012 for deceased artists and the idea in general terms behind it is that it provides a royalty stream um, which is similar to that Um, provided for other creative industries like music or film. Um, It essentially um, covers the um, copyright owners' works of art, um, and it gives them a right to receive a royalty every time one of their artworks is sold on the secondary market um, by an art market professional, so in the trade, and that's for more than 1,000 euros. And... There are a few exceptions, but that will generally apply, and there's an upper cap of €12,500, and there will be a sort of sliding scale, so you've got 4% um, on sale prices between €1,000 and €50,000, and then a sliding scale that reduces to 0.25% on prices of more than €500,000. So it's a relatively controversial right um, in the UK, and um, the art market, or the majority of the art market, would um, encourage the artist resale right to be abolished because they perceive it as um, eroding competition and affecting competitiveness in the global market, particularly in relation to countries that don't levy the artist resale right, such as New York or Hong Kong. Um, the Artists and the people who represent the artists see it as a very good thing because the money has been spent supporting um, Artists in sort of day-to-day living but also for artists estates in creating long-term legacies and sort of building the brand Um, so There are calls both ways um, for it to be Either abolished entirely or retained um, and there are strong calls both ways um, but there is also a fairly wide acceptance that there are areas where it doesn't work particularly well in practice and it could be a good opportunity on Brexit to reform that so that it works better um, if um, the artist resale rights maintained.
0: Tim, thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast and speaking with us about how Brexit may impact both copyright laws as well as the artist resale right. No, yeah, thank you very much. And now we're joined by Craig Davies, partner at Rollinson & Hunter, to discuss Brexit's potential impact on value-added tax, more commonly known as VAT. Craig, thanks so much for speaking with us. You're very welcome. First, how do you think that Brexit will impact UK art businesses and the way in which they operate? And how does value-added tax factor into this? Uh, I guess
3: that's a million-dollar question, but fundamentally, to answer that, we would need to understand what the final shape and feel of post-Brexit world is. Uh, Everyone talks about hard versus a soft Brexit, uh, albeit I think those words are used a bit too loosely, no one really understands what they mean, uh, and different people have different views on that. I suppose the general view is that a soft Brexit means simply that we are going to continue on as present, uh, albeit under some different version of the, the customs union, and that being the case, the impact on UK art businesses should be marginal. Uh, There will perhaps be some degree of increased paperwork and different procedures to contend with, but that might be the extent of it. Uh, Maybe I should talk a bit about VAT uh, generally, and i mentioned just now about the customs union. Well, there are four four key cornerstone principles of being members of the EU. One of those is the the freedom of movement of goods, and and the customs union uh, associates with that. And VAT is core to that. So without that freedom of movement, you would have hard borders between EU member states. There would be exports from one and imports into another, and VAT would be levied, uh, usually in the importing uh, nation. And freedom of movement allows you to avoid that complexity, and we are able to move goods around without uh, significant transport costs and usually with no VAT implications. There are VAT complications where it comes to selling goods between one EU member state and an individual in another member state. So, for example, if a UK gallery was to sell an artwork to uh, a French collector, that French collector would usually suffer UK VAT at 20%. But if that was not a French collector but was a French business, then that transaction would be uh, technically would be zero rated, so there wouldn't be any VAT on it. So it's important to understand that, and, and all of the EU, EU nations have the ability to set VAT rates as long as they are in excess of 15%, uh, so there is some arbitrage between those those nations. Um, but if if we go back to the, the core question about how uh, businesses may change their, their mode of operations, uh, if we conclude that a soft Brexit is relatively mild and benign, uh, the... I guess the the, the counter to that would be a hard Brexit, the so-called cliff edge scenario where we go from one day happily merrily uh, understanding this freedom of movements principle to the next having very hard fiscal borders and having to go through the process of uh, increased paperwork from an import and export perspective. And in particular, the the costs of transport in that scenario would increase significantly. Um the cross border trade is still going to continue but I think that the the extra costs of doing that will uh, will add very heavily to the to the bottom line um impact really for for those art businesses.
0: And if this hard brexit that you speak of comes to realization could this closed border scenario actually bring any opportunities to certain businesses within the UK art market?
3: Possibly. Uh, I guess another million dollar question. If we carry on with the assumption of hard borders, I've already mentioned the the likely extra costs of transiting goods across the borders, and that's whether they're sales by UK galleries and dealers to EU customers or or vice versa. Uh, Hard borders, though, might ironically bring some opportunity for the bigger players. And the, the reason is, uh, I'm thinking here particularly about the mega galleries in, in the primary market, it's because they will have not only a highly mobile base of collectors, but they'll also have a multinational base of artists that they represent. Uh, presently, if a UK gallery sells to an individual in France, as I mentioned earlier, UK VAT must be, is going to be charged on that transaction at 20%. Uh, if you have a hard borders scenario, that same transaction will be treated differently. The UK gallery would be exporting the goods from the, from the UK and the French collector would be importing the goods into France. And if you're exporting out of sight of the EU presently, those transactions are zero rated and in a hard borders situation, translating that an export from the UK with its hard borders would be zero rated and that benefits the French collector because they will then pay not 20% VAT but the French import reduced rate of VAT which is 5.5%. So for the big players in the market there would be a potential uh, opportunity there to uh, have more efficient transactions from the collector's end which will probably allow them to, to push prices north a bit. That analysis does work in reverse as well. So if you had a UK collector buying from a French gallery, the French gallery would make a zero rated uh, sale or an export outside of the EU, and the UK collector would import under the UK's reduced rate of 5%. My concern, though, is really for the smaller end of the market, where they perhaps don't have those large international transactions and, and that large footprint of international collectors and suppliers. And I suppose the antiques dealers, the secondary art dealers, they could be affected if they're buying a lot of works from the EU presently. At the moment, generally speaking, those uh, those uh, acquisitions will not carry VAT because those are art businesses. They're buying from other EU art businesses, and in that scenario, you have a zero rating applying in in, in what's known as an intra-community supply. If you've got hard borders, they are, these UK dealers are going to have to import those works and suffer UK VAT of five percent. They may those small dealers may not themselves be in a position to avail themselves of a temporary admission account. So we'll not be able to defer that VAT cost. And so it, it could be largely disastrous for some small dealers. With the hard, hard border scenario, you get a compounding effect. Not only are transactions more expensive to conduct in terms of logistics and transit costs, but they may be impacted if they're buying in from the EU and are unable to defer the VAT under a temporary admission regime.
0: Craig, thanks so much for speaking with us about Brexit and its potential impact on VAT and the consequences of that on different types of art businesses within the UK.
3: I'm very happy to help. Thank
0: you. And we're now going to speak with Finola Rogers, an art law consultant at Constantine Cannon, to discuss Brexit's potential impact on the trade of endangered species. Finola, thanks so much for speaking with us. No problem. CITES stands for the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species. It restricts the type of endangered species that can be traded. What are we specifically referring to within the art world when it comes to objects that fall under CITES law?
4: Well, it's actually in lots of different um, antiques, um, and it also features in jewelry. So the particular ones are um, ivory, um, elephant ivory, um, which often feature in... Um, Antique furniture, so particularly something like 17th century uh, century French furniture, um, that's very common. But also um, in jewellery, you might find tortoise shell. uh, And then one that affects the UK quite a lot at the moment is actually rosewood as well. So it's much more common and each country has slightly different restrictions. So the dealers really need to know all the materials in their pieces.
0: Why do you feel CITES legislation is a particularly difficult piece of legislation to simply adopt as drafted following Brexit?
4: Well, the UK implements CITES through an EU regulation, and so that means it's got direct effect in the UK. With a lot of the other EU regulations, on the date the UK actually leaves the EU, the legislation will just be adopted as currently drafted on that date. And so the legislation in the UK and in the EU will probably be exactly the same for many, many years, and it might never change. However, the difficult thing with CITES is that it's actually a law that's changing very regularly. Every time there's a decision that a new endangered species needs to be protected, the list of species that are annexed to the regulations change. So it changes every three years, typically two or three years. Now, what that means is that within quite a short time of the UK leaving the EU is that the UK and EU could make different decisions on a particular species. And as a result, they'll have different legislation and different legal restrictions very soon after Brexit.
0: So looking at things from an endangered species perspective, what might be the biggest impact of Brexit on the art market?
4: The impact is likely to be the difficulties in exporting and importing works within the EU. At the moment, the EU is considered internal and once the UK leaves, the EU will treat the UK as a third country and all exports will be international rather than internal exports. Now, the effect of this is that the restrictions and requirements for trade um, and import and export are different, whether they're internal or whether they're international outside of the EU. So what this means for the, the UK art market is that they might actually find themselves unable to trade in antique items such as furniture, jewellery um, with the EU due to them having stricter restrictions that they previously didn't have to comply comply with because it was internal. Um, the other impact that they're likely to see is that there'll be increased delays on import and export just due to additional pressures at borders and with customs paperwork. Um, For example, at the moment, a European collector could acquire a work in London containing a CITES-listed species that's permitted in the EU, and they might want to take it home with them. That process would be very smooth and quite straightforward. After Brexit, if that same collector wanted to buy the same item from the UK, the UK would be international, and so the process would be much more lengthy and cumbersome which might put collectors off buying and selling in the UK. So as an example, um, if you try and export um, the same item from the UK to the US, it can take on average of about four months. And that sort of delay is something European collectors are not used to when buying in the UK. So it might actually affect the art market in terms of buying from, from our galleries.
0: And lastly, do you think the art market will have any influence on how the government will treat CITES legislation after Brexit?
4: Well, CITES applies to other industries beyond the art market because it also deals with live species. So there will be other industries um, who have an interest in what happens to domestic legislation. However, a lot of the outstanding issues um, that affect the art market and CITES um, are the same as other industries such as increased pressure at borders, uh, delaying import and export and trade, access to shared data such as Europol, which is what we use to enforce CITES, and the ECJ will also have an impact. So because so many of those issues um, are being negotiated at the moment and will affect all sorts of legislation, it's much more likely that the art market's influence will come from making decisions on which species are to be restricted from trade And that will come at a much later date.
0: Finelaw, thanks so much for speaking with us about how Brexit may impact the endangered species trade. Thank you very much. This week's episode of the podcast was brought to you by ArtCloud and the Sotheby's Institute of Art. ArtCloud's trusted by thousands of galleries, artists, and collectors worldwide. Its all-in-one art management solution, an integrated art marketplace, is the fastest growing of its kind. You can use ArtCloud's Marketplace to discover and buy exceptional pieces tailored for your taste, share your favorites with friends and fellow art enthusiasts, and even use the app to visualize artwork in your own space. So if you're an artist or gallery, plug into ArtCloud's best-in-class art management platform, including easy-to-use client inventory management, sales assistance, and the opportunity to grow your business by listing your art on ArtCloud's booming marketplace. So, are you ready to explore ArtCloud? Registration's free, so sign up now at artcloud.com. That's spelled A R T C L D.com. Sotheby's Institute of Art has been providing a premier education in art and its market since 1969. I didn't attend Sotheby's Institute of Art in 1969, but I did in 2008 on their London campus. And you can join over 6,000 alumni, just like me, whose art world careers are connected through a Sotheby's Institute master's degree. Or you can hone your expertise by signing up for an online course or even a semester program. You can experience courses that cover everything from art entrepreneurship all the way to art history. Visit Sotheby'sInstitute.com ArtTactic to learn more, that's Sotheby's Institute slash art tactic and tell them we sent you.